Good morning, everybody. We're going to see if I can get through this or not. It's already coming. <laughs> um, so as uh, I was preparing for this sermon, I started thinking about some of the really special things that happened here at Connection Christian Church. And uh, on the top of the list were our canoe trips at Discovery Ministries, and especially seeing Dennis and Caden in a canoe. And me beating them at every canoe race. Is that right, Caden? I beat, I beat you guys every time, correct? <laughs> I tried to dump them every time is really what I tried to do. Um, <clears throat> going to Juarez, Mexico, and having one of our wheels of the trailer blow out at Joplin, Missouri. Thank you, Randy and Daryl, for taking care of us at that time. Um, playing drums with Blake Corrington and all the camps that I drug him to. That guy is extremely witty. I love the time I spent with him on that. Um, this really isn't one of my memories, but it seems like one of your memories of me when I preach. <laughs> I figured I had to bring the Barbie doll back at least one time, so you guys love the Barbie doll for some reason. As a matter of fact, the very first time I preached, I get done, and I was kind of excited. I walk out to the parking lot, and I hear a guy on the phone say, I'm late because the preacher preached for 45 minutes. I won't do that to you today. Um, a little more serious. This thing is kind of attacking me, but that's all right. We'll get it, we'll get it together. When I moved to St. Louis, I think it was the very first week I was working at Arvester. My first hospital visit was Sandy Pallage. My first Sunday at Harvester South Campus leading worship some of the most amazing worship that I've ever had. Baptizing my kids. Baptizing my neighbors. And you Darden Perry people, that merge that we had, I mean, it should have never went as well as it did, right? It was great. One of the greatest parts of being a minister is to see the people grow. And I've seen you guys grow, and you guys have seen me grow. I love being able to see middle, high school, college students get on fire for God. I love people when they come back from Haiti, and they're all excited about missions and doing things for God throughout the world. Basically, I love to see people get connected with God and have a deeper purpose and more meaning than what they'd ever had before. So with those thoughts, I want to leave you with some thoughts on ministry. And let's just define it right now. Christian ministry is taking your gifts and your resources and meeting people's needs in Christ's name. Basically, ministry is just serving people. And that's what you've done for me. And hopefully, you felt that from me to you. But it's very, very important to understand that that Brian and I and Aaron, we aren't the ministers. You're all the ministers. Everyone has been called to Christian ministry. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you're a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful life. This means that we're God's special people and that we are all called to send out that light. We're all called to tell the goodness of our Christ Savior, Jesus Christ. 
So what does all this mean? And I want to use Abraham as an example today. Now, I'm going to go through just chapter 12 of Genesis, and I, God refers to him as Abram that time. He's also, he changes the name to Abraham later. I will probably intermix the names. So if you hear me say Abram or Abraham, it's because they're the same guy. So Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, and the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So we're going to look at three principles here. Number one, whenever you have an encounter with God... It changes you into someone on mission. Whenever you have an encounter with God, it changes you into someone on mission. Anyone who sees a glimpse of who God really is, it will change them from this me attitude. What can I get out of it? What is this church thing going to do for me? It's going to change us from that consumer mentality. And it becomes, we become a man or a woman of mission. So here we have, we have Abraham in his situation. Abraham gets his first glimpse of God. Now Abraham was a guy that, that he wanted to serve God through his life. I mean, he, had, he, had, he knew who God was. He'd heard the teachings, but this was different this time. This was when God spoke to him, and Abraham got that glimpse of who God really is. And God says to Abram, I want you to leave. I want you to get out. I want you to leave your culture. And we know what Haran at this time was one of the, was a, was a nice big city. I mean, it had it all. It had the crate and barrel, and it had the Targets, and the Walmarts, and the Chick-fil-A's, and the five-speed camels, and all that type of stuff. And God says, you've got to go and go to a place that there may not be people there. Maybe you just have to follow me. He's, God says to him, I want you to get out of your homeland. I want you to get out of the... You leave all the people that you know, all the people that, you, that are comfortable to you. I want you to get out of your safety zone. I want you to take risks, and I want you to make moves. I want you to get out. As we read the story of the Bible, we see that this isn't just Abram's story. This happened to Moses as well. Moses, he knew God. And he's living with his father-in-law and his new wife, and he's tending sheep. And God comes to him as a burning bush. And this was the first time that Moses sees the glimpse of the real God. And what does God say to Moses? He says, I want you to get out and go to Pharaoh. This happened to Peter. Peter had been a disciple for a a little while. And he'd been following Jesus. He knew the teachings from when he was a little kid about God. He's hanging out with Jesus. One day, though, he's out in his boat and he's trying to fish. And he comes in, and he's caught nothing. Jesus is on the shore, and Jesus says, how's it going? And Peter says, we've we've caught nothing. Jesus says, I want you to go back out. I want you to throw the nets on the other side and see what happens. So Peter gets in the boat, or they stay in the boat, and they, they paddle out. And I'm sure under their breath they're saying, this is stupid. But they do it. They get this huge amount of fish in the nets, almost sinks the ship. It's at this point that Peter gets a glimpse of the real God, and it changes his life. All right, anybody here seen Cocoon? I'm showing my age here, aren't I? 
Cocoon, kind of a fun movie, but spoiler alert here, if you're going to watch this 1980s you know, gem with Steve Gutenberg, quite possibly the greatest actor of the 1980s. I'm glad you, I'm glad you left. Best work done in Police Academy, right? Um, Brian Dennehy, he's an alien dressed up in a rubber human suit. He kind of takes his eye and he kind of goes like this. I've got a picture of it. And he shows a glimpse of who they really are. And I think this is when Peter sees Jesus. I say this way, but it's got to be so much greater than what Hollywood could imagine. Peter gets his first glimpse of the greatness and the majesty and the wonderfulness of God. And so Peter, Luke chapter 5 verse 8 says, When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter begins to get it, and it changes him into a man on mission. And so what's Jesus' response? Jesus says, Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, I will make you fish for people. So they pulled up their boats, they left the shore, and everything they had. Last example, Isaiah. Isaiah had been a prophet, but he has a vision of God, which is glorious. He sees God as... As he is, probably not the full glory because that would kill him. But he sees his train and he sees him high and lifted up. Isaiah is overwhelmed by this image. Isaiah feels like he's coming apart. This was the first time. Even though he knew God beforehand, even though he'd read the scriptures and he'd heard the preaching, this is the time he experienced it. What does God say? God says, not directly to Isaiah, he says, hey, I've got a people over here, and they are hard-hearted. This people over here, they don't want anything to do with me. These people, if someone goes to preach, they won't listen. If someone goes to preach to them, they will laugh at them. They will ridicule them. They will continually resist the good news. What's Isaiah's response? One of the most popular passages in the Bible. He says in verse 6-8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who shall, go, I go, who shall go with us? And Isaiah says, Everybody say it with me. Here am I, send me. Now, living in preacher world, I wonder how many preachers, if God, they had a revision from God, and God said, Hey, I want you to go to these people, and I want you to understand that no one's going to listen to you. They're all going to make fun of you. They're all going to do everything in their power to thwart your ministry. How many ministers would say, all right, let's go, let's do it. Why was Isaiah different? It's because he saw God as he really was. And that's what made the difference. Isaiah lost that I'm doing this for me mentality. And he said, I will risk. I will sacrifice. I will go. But you're probably thinking, you know, Brian, these are some, I mean, these are, these are special stories. This is Abraham. This is Moses. This is Peter. This is Isaiah. These are fathers of the face. These are epic moments. But I want to tell you, sure, they're special, but they're not special. They're special, you have some amazing things happen, but it's also our stories. Because our God is a spiritual tornado. And our God will never bless you 
unless to make you a blessing. God will never bless you unless to make you a blessing. God never pulls you in except to send you out. And that's how we know we're serving a real God and just not some figment of our imagination. We become a man or a woman on mission. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to God and he says this. It says, as you, God, have sent me, Jesus, into the world, I have sent them into the world. Who's the them that they're talking about? He's talking about us. Five verses earlier, Jesus said this. He says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that you may have the full measure of joy within them. What's he talking about here? What Jesus is saying, what we need to understand is that if we want to have real joy in our lives, the people that have real joy in their lives, those are the people that they know they have something that will change the world. These people know that they have something that is bigger than them. These people know that unless there's something bigger in your heart than your own advancement, your own desires, your own career, that you're never going to feel true joy. So, there you go. There's our first point. The people that really see God as He is. They become people on mission. They lose this consumer mentality of, this is all about me. And it becomes, how can I bless other people? So, that's one. Number two, we must be willing to lose things. How many of you lose your cell phone all the time? You say, I'm willing to do that. Not really. We're not talking about that, obviously. We're talking about the lose those things that, that actually might mean something to our character. Some of those things that are, that are tough to give up. We must be willing to lose those things for God. God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless all the people in the world through you. Abraham, I have a mission for you, and I'm going to bless you to make you a blessing. And he says, therefore, get out. We can't be a Christian in this world until we're willing to look foolish, until we're willing to... You know, there are people out there that have had risks in their family because of their beliefs in God. You may have instructors that say, you know what, this Christian thing, this is all, it's all idiotic, it's stupid. I had a professor in college that, he took major issue with me because of the campus group I was in. See, this professor knew that our campus ministry taught a particular thing that he completely disagreed with. And what that was, was that college students, this is what our, our, my ministry believed, that college students were not in college to learn first and foremost. First and foremost, college students were in college to serve and love God. Number two would be to learn. But first and foremost was to serve and love God and everything had to go through that. This college professor... <laughs> actively was frustrated with me because I was a part of them. There are some pretty exciting things going on in this church right now. Got that new building coming up, and there are not many churches in Darden Prairie. But that building costs you, correct? It literally costs you. Connection, you dug deep. And that's a wonderful thing. Because you want to bless Darden Prairie and you are willing to give something up. We can't be a blessing unless we're willing to lose things. And when we do this, we're just like Jesus. 
Jesus Christ ultimately got out so that we could be reached. Jesus Christ left heaven so that we could be reached. He left everything so that we could be reached. And in the same way, if we are not willing to take risks, if we're not willing to open our mouths and maybe be ridiculed by our friends, our coworkers, our family, whatever it might be, if we're not willing to lose our status, if we're not willing to open up our wallet or maybe use vacation time or our weekends, my time, if we're not willing to do these things, we're not looking at Jesus' example for us. And I would say you're completely missing who God really is. But, if you are willing to do this, you're just like God. And here's the good news and my last point. God says we need to get out. God needs to say we need to take risks. We need to lose our consumer mentality. And we need to lose things. So that, the good news, he will bless us. So that God will bless us. God particularly promises that when people are willing to take the risks, when they're willing to go on mission, when they're willing to put their time, their life, and their money on the line, that God says, I will bless you in ways that you can never imagine. Let's look at Jesus' life in particular. When did Jesus get a special blessing from God? When did the dove come down into his life and God say, this is my son whom I'm well pleased? It's when Jesus began his public ministry. And I want to ask you this, do you want more of God in your life? And I hope the answer is yes. But if it's yes, what great things are you willing to do to attempt, attempt to do for him? God not only allows you to know that you're a Christian by deducing it. And what I mean by that is, we can look through the Bible and we know that if we follow his commands, we, can, we are children of God. We know that if we've been baptized, if we show the fruit of the Spirit, if we listen to him, we, we walk in his ways, we know that we're children of God. But he doesn't just allow us to do that. He also, and this is where it gets kind of a funny ground for me because this is a little scary, God also allows us to know that we are his children by having that special blessing put upon us, by feeling the Holy Spirit, by knowing that God is walking side by side with us. But how do we know when that happens? Well, there's a little equation that has helped me with this. And that is trials plus trust plus time equal knowing God's presence. Trials plus trust plus time equals knowing God's presence. The trials. What is it in your life that you know you need to either do, give up, that you feel in your heart that God is saying, Brian, you got to do this. That's the trial. The trust is doing it. And so many people just stop right there and they say, well, I felt God was telling me to do this. I did it. And now look what happened. It's because they missed the third part and that's the time. You have to be faithful through it all. I've experienced this time and time and again in my life. I've felt God's special presence with me saying, hey Brian, I know that this doesn't always make a lot of sense, but I, I want you to go this route instead of this route. And sometimes that's been really, really hard. I remember pretty vividly my senior year in high school. Um, I wanted to follow God. 
Because if God was in it, I wanted to be a part. And so I thought, I'm going to go to Christian college. And I think Christian colleges are great. But when I told my spiritual mentors that I wanted to go to Christian college, both of them said, don't go. And I was, I was like, really? So I prayed about it, and I took a campus trip to Eastern Illinois University. I got onto that campus, and I felt God saying, this is where you need to be. And I would love to say that it was all rosy and wonderful, and as soon as I unpacked my bags and got into my dorm room, that God had put this plan, and now that I'm here where I'm at, well, I'm saying, no, that's not the case at all, because the very first week I was there, I was lonely. My roommate hadn't shown up. He had the TV, so that was no good for me. I had a Tom Clancy book. Um, that night, I walked all up and down the, the campus. I couldn't find anybody. So about a month in, um, I noticed that I was kind of just starting to do the typical college path that I was getting my education, and it was kind of meaningless for me. Just kind of doing the, the same old normal type thing that most college students probably do. I had a friend from back home on a Wednesday night as I'm Taylor Hall dining service come up to me and say, hey, you ought to go Bible study with me tonight. And I felt God saying, this is, this is your pathway. You know, you've got, you got your fork right now. And it wasn't a burning bush. But I chose to go. And I remember the tight-knit carpeting that was orange and how it felt on my legs. I remember the three guys around me. And I remember exactly what the preacher preached that night. Because the next day I changed my major. So let's fast forward four years. And I'm now really involved in the campus ministry. And things are good. I think that God wants me to teach. I do my student teaching, but I feel that God is saying, hey, I want you to, do, I want you to go overseas. I had no desire at all to go overseas. I loved America. America. And I, I wanted no part to go anywhere else. And not that it, I, I cared. I, I just, I, I didn't want to. Everything was comfortable here. We had what we need here. But God was saying, you ought to go. Well, lo and behold, I have a friend, the same friend that invited me to Bible study four years earlier, say, hey, I'm going to the Ukraine. Why don't you come along with me? So I get my passport. I head over there. We spend a little over a month there. The missionary that we visited in the Ukraine was supported by Harvester Christian Church. He helped set up the internship I have at Harvester Christian Church. I get home. I have this internship, the place I do my student teaching. They give me a call and they say, hey, we want to give you the job to student teach. I have my fork. I feel God saying, do the internship. And I'm thinking once again, this is going to be great. They're going to, they're going to nurture me. This is going to be wonderful. I'm going to have my path. I get there. Let me tell you, I thought I was lonely. I, I had no idea what loneliness was in college because I get to St. Louis and I was lonelier than I'd ever been before. I felt like there's millions of people around and nobody wants to be my friend. So yeah, you can give me my pity party. <laughs> what it did for me though, that's when I learned how to play guitar. Coincidence? I don't know. And then God... He changed my loneliness. Because in about two months, I meet this little blonde-haired girl. And we meet at the Dairy Queen there on Jung Station Road, and they had to kick us out 
because we were talking so much. I had another fork. I knew that if I saw her again, I was either going to spend the rest of my life with her or I just had to never see her, ever. Well, obviously. I wanted to see her the rest of my life, so there we go. We start looking for a ministry. I was told God, I don't want to go to two places. I don't want to go to Chicago. I don't want to go to Southern Illinois. We apply for California, Texas, Florida, Arizona to camp there. And funny thing of all things, none of them even responded after I... I didn't, I didn't get a yes or a no. We head to Southern Illinois, to this little church, and as we're going, we're kind of thinking, yeah, whatever. We get there, we sit in the service, and both of us look at each other and we say, this is it. This is it. That church nurtured me and supported me so I could be the minister I am today. Ten years after that, we move here, we feel God's calling here. And you kind of know the rest, right? Here's the deal. You know, I just told you my story. But I'm not really wanting you to know my story. What I want you to know is your story. What is it that God is calling you to do now? What is it when you get in that new building that God is saying, you guys need to try to do this? What is it that in your own heart that God is saying, take this risk, do this? Because I guarantee you this, if you risk for God, if you get out and you're willing to do things, He will do more in your life than you could ever imagine. He will bless you in more ways than you could ever dream. And you will feel His presence more and more. I'm going to lead you in one more song. And I want to thank you for everything you've done for us. So stand up, please. And I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to sing. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Connection Christian Church. I thank you for the people here. I thank you for what they've done in my life and for my family. And helped us grow and helped us come closer to you. And I ask that you continually help us to take risks for you. And so the next chapter in our lives will be more blessed and more amazing and more wonderful than what we could ever imagine. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.